Alleluia, Christ is risen. I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There are many names for this, the second Sunday of Easter. Low Sunday, it's often called, because after the huge Holy Week we just had and a festive celebration on Easter Day with trumpets, it feels a little smaller today. Sometimes it's called Low Sunday because after the great crowds of Easter, we're back to our faithful regulars, a kind of smaller crowd, you might notice. To which I say, thank you for coming back on the second Sunday of Easter. This Sunday is also known as Quasimodo Sunday because of the opening words of the introit that we used this morning. This is the day from which the central figure of the hunchback of Notre Dame, Quasimodo, gets his name because he was left on the steps of the cathedral on this day. And this is also known of course, as Doubting Thomas Sunday, because we always, always read the same story from the Gospel of John. This story that we have cast as being about the Apostle Thomas's faith or lack thereof. And we preachers make much of poor Thomas, remembered forever as doubting over 2,000 years. Thomas is used as an object lesson every year on this Sunday, either as a warning not to doubt, but to believe, or as a model of how even faithful believers have doubts from time to time. And those are good themes. I've preached on them. But the more I study this story, the more I think that it's not so much about Thomas as it is about Jesus. It's not so much about doubt and belief as it is about relationship. You see, in the Gospel of John, to believe is not about intellectual assent to a bunch of ideas, but it's about relationship. Belief in John is never a noun. It is always a verb. To believe in Jesus isn't to believe a whole set of ideas about Jesus, but it's about being in relationship with Jesus. But what we see in today's gospel is broken relationships all around. The disciples have damaged their relationship with Jesus, failing him in his final hours. They fell asleep in the garden. Peter denied Jesus three times. Only John, the beloved disciple, and three Marys, Jesus' mother and aunt and Mary Magdalene, stayed with him at the cross. And now, today, we see the disciples on the evening of the resurrection huddled together behind locked doors, and they are afraid. After seeing Jesus earlier that morning resurrected, Mary Magdalene had hurried to them, proclaiming, I have seen the Lord, telling them everything that he said to her. But what is their response? Are they joyful? Are they rushing out into the streets with good news to share? 
Nope. They are locked together inside a house, afraid. Even Peter and John, who had gone to the tomb and seen it empty, even they are cowering together with all the disciples except for Thomas. We don't know whether or not they believe in the resurrection yet. They just might. But what we do know is that they are afraid. They're afraid of their enemies, yes. They're afraid of the religious leaders and the Roman authorities who persecuted and killed their beloved leader and rabbi and who might be looking now for them. But I wonder, are they also afraid because they are now all alone, leaderless? Are they afraid, even ashamed of what they've done, of having abandoned Jesus, of having denied him, leaving him to suffer alone? Did they hear Mary's news, I have seen the Lord, and did they believe her and then fear even more? Fear that Jesus arose and was angry, ready to punish them for failures. Were they cowering together, hoping that they would not see the Lord? Perhaps they were starting to turn on one another, blaming one another for all that had gone wrong in the last few days. Into this room, this room that's filled with fear, perhaps conflict, Jesus appears. Jesus appears with his wounds. He shows his hands and his side shows how he's been hurt. And then Jesus offers peace. Peace be with you, he says. Into this room filled with ashamed and guilty disciples, Jesus appears and he offers forgiveness. Receive the Holy Spirit, he says. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. Into the room where relationships have been ruined, ruined by betrayal and desertion, by accusations and shame, so ruined that they cannot hear and truly take in Mary Magdalene's good news, Jesus appears and brings reconciliation and peace and forgiveness. That is how we 2,000 years later, know that Jesus is risen. Jesus doesn't respond in anger to their failures. Jesus doesn't come bringing punishment and judgment. Instead, he brings peace and forgiveness, and then he tells his friends that they too, we too, are to forgive. Understandably, the disciples rejoice They've been forgiven. They're back in relationship with Jesus. And when they see Thomas, they repeat Mary Magdalene's pronouncement, we have seen the Lord. But just as they couldn't understand Mary Magdalene's testimony earlier that day, just as they couldn't imagine a resurrected Jesus come with mercy or a resurrected Jesus at all, they couldn't imagine that Jesus would still want to be in relationship with them so Thomas refuses, refuses 
to believe, to be in relationship. And because Jesus wants everyone to believe, to be reconciled with him, in relationship with him, he returns and he makes himself vulnerable again. He shows his wounds again. He invites Thomas to touch them, the very wounds that Thomas and the others failed to prevent. And before the loving, forgiving person of Jesus, Thomas falls to his knees. My Lord and my God, he proclaims. And in that moment, he is restored to right relationship with Jesus. In that moment of tenderness, Thomas knows it's true. Not only has death been defeated, but so has vengeance, alienation, betrayal, separation, shame. Beloved, Jesus is risen, but he's not unwounded. And out of his wounds, the physical marks, the piercing of his side, and the wounds left by betrayal and denial and desertion, Jesus brings neither wrath nor retribution. Out of his self-sacrifice, his self-giving love, Jesus brings forth peace and offers forgiveness. In the midst of fear, Jesus appears with peace, the peace he only can give. In the midst of conflict, Jesus arrives with the most distinctive mark of Christian community which is forgiveness. For only through forgiveness may we be reconciled to God and in relationship with one another. In the midst of doubt, Jesus brings not judgment but gentle assurance. Put your finger here and see my hands. Jesus says to them, it's okay. You can touch and see where I am most hurt. And if we can see Jesus' wounds, if he willingly shows them, then might we be ready to show our own, to admit where we are afraid, how we are angry, why we are ashamed. Peace, forgiveness, Reconciliation. These are not ways to force people to believe a number of difficult things. It's not a way to force people to believe the dead are raised or that God became man or death and sin are defeated. These are the ways in which we are brought into relationship with Jesus, with God, with one another. And by loving Jesus, by being in relationship with him, we know true forgiveness, true peace. Then we need not fear. Then we come to have abundant life in his name. Then we can declare with Thomas, my Lord and my God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.